This is our last in our series on the book of Proverbs. Uh, we'll be looking beginning next week at the parables of Jesus through the gospel of Luke. Uh, today, we're looking at the sin of sloth, one of the seven deadly sins which the early church recognized as something that could rob you of effectiveness in life, that could rob you of uh, your kingdom value, and could rob you of the ability to glorify God. It was a serious sin. And the writer of the book of Proverbs acknowledges that, yes, indeed, this is a serious sin. The sin of sloth, or more commonly known today as just plain laziness. And we're looking at a few sections from uh, the book of Proverbs about sloth. The first is about the ant. The ant who goes out and collects food in due season so that it has food stored up for when that season is over and a harsher season comes. The ant uh, has no overseer. No one's telling the ant what to do, but the ant knows that if it's going to eat later, it needs to collect now. If you go on uh, here, it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. In other words, take the opportunities pre presented to you to do what you need to do to have what you need to have. And when you do that, make the choice to do it. The ant knows what needs to be done and goes ahead and does it. In verse 9, we say, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Now, I have a theory about snooze alarms, and I think, uh, and I believe that snooze alarms should only ever work once. Nine minutes go by, and you have to be up. None of this snoozing through the day. You might need the nine minutes, but you don't need the 18 or the 27 or the rest. I'm not going to do the math real quickly now, but you don't need to keep snoozing throughout the day. Uh, and that's what it says here. Don't, don't keep sleeping. Get up. Be productive. Don't be lazy. And the ant chooses to do that, and with that choice, and when we make choices to do, we open up more choices for us, and when we make the choice not to do, we close down choices. As it says in uh, chapter 12, verse 24, diligent hands will rule, laziness ends in forced labor. In other words, you lose opportunity to make your choices when you don't make the right choices, and you end up being limited uh, in what you are able to do. Our next section is from Proverbs 24. The Solomon walks by the field or the vineyard of someone and sees that it's gone to rack and ruin. The plants, the, the vines are not producing fruit. Weeds have come up through. The fence is knocked over. The vineyard is not accomplishing the purpose for which the vineyard was intended. And this is particularly awful in this day. Uh, it, it, this kind of thing is looked upon with disdain because to have a vineyard is to be someone who is richly blessed. Vineyards were hard to come by. Land that produced crops was very difficult to get. And this person had all this advantage and failed to use that advantage 
to bless him or herself and also failed to use that advantage to bless other people by raising the crops that were necessary for their sustenance. Now, we know that if we don't keep with something, it will naturally get worse. That's, that's the second law of thermodynamics, that things are in a constant state of falling apart. So if you want to have a vineyard, you have to keep at it. If you want to work, you have to keep at it. If you want to accomplish any goal in life, you have to keep at it. But the sluggard, opportunity by opportunity, fails to keep at it. But we also have a vineyard, you have a vineyard, and I have a vineyard, the vineyard of our lives. We all have been given a unique opportunities, unique, a unique place in the world, and we are all called to use that unique place in the world to give glory to God and to provide for ourselves and our families the gifts that we have. Everybody has a vineyard, and Jesus told a number of parables about vineyards and about um, workers and how we are called to work. And if we don't work, if we don't use the gifts he's given us, it's a shame and judgment will come. Now, a lot of people believe that judgment at the end of time is only for non-believers, that they will be told you did not believe, therefore you are judged. But there is a judgment for believers as well. It's a different judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. But at this judgment, we will be judged by Jesus Christ for how well we've done with what he's entrusted us with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read, Each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as escaping through the flames. Brothers and sisters, we are called to serve God. We are called to use the talents, the gifts, the abilities that we have in order to make a life for ourselves, but also to glorify God, primarily to glorify God. And when we fail to do that, we will lose not our salvation, but we will lose the reward we could have had and we will enter eternity as those who have just come through a fire, having lost everything we've invested in and having only our salvation left. But those who use the gifts they've been given in order to serve Jesus Christ will come into uh, eternity with the reward for all of that service. So, once again, we find repeated here in the Psalm, or the Proverb 24, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Folks, just one snooze, just another snooze, just one ignoring 
of God's prodding, God's encouragement to do something. Just one opportunity missed leads to another, leads to another. Make the most of every opportunity. Our next section is from Proverbs 26. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. The point is, there is no lion. The, the sluggard wants to make something up so that he can say, it's fearful out there. I can't, I can't do what I need to do because it's too scary. It's not wise for me to go out into the street. And then we find um, in verse 16, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. In other words, the sluggard has his own ideas and thinks he's smarter than everyone else, but he is wrong just flat out wrong. There is no lion. There is no danger. And as we learned from our children's sermon today, God can do great things. God can do things we think are impossible. So if God calls you to do something, don't be afraid, but step out and do it, making sure that God is leading you to do it. And then know that God will be with you. Verse 14 of this section says, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. And then the most ridiculous of all, I think, the sluggard buries his hands in the dish, but is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. In other words, there's a purpose for putting your hand in the dish, and that is to bring something to your mouth. The sluggard only does the least bit and never accomplishes the purpose that he should. A couple other places in Proverbs says this. Uh, one of them was read from Proverbs 23, 19, 28, 19. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Or as it says in uh, Proverbs 12, 11, the same words at the beginning, but those who chase fantasies here have no sense. And so many today, I think, are chasing fantasies. They think they want the easy, get-rich-quick scheme. They want to think that they're going to uh, somehow succeed when they don't really try, when they don't put in the effort. And that, my friends, does not work. We weren't created that way. The world doesn't work that way. Devon's had students come to her and say, well, I, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm pre-med. And she says, well, I'm looking at your transcript and you're a junior and you have less than a 2.0 grade point average. This, this doesn't work. You can't. But people want to live in their fantasies. They want to think that, well, it's going to work for me, even though it doesn't work for anyone else and hasn't in the history of the world. It'll work for me. Folks, it doesn't work for you. It won't work for you because the world works by certain standards and these are just how it works. Now, of course, the book of Proverbs is the way things normally work. The Proverbs tell us the way things normally function. And there are times when things don't function this way. There are people who work very hard, who save away, and somehow, for whatever reason, un, not their fault, they lose it. More often than not, if you do the work, if you invest well, you will have a nest egg. We want 
easy, but the world doesn't work that way. And another problem I think people have is that we want it perfect. We want the perfect job. We want the perfect marriage. We want the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend. We want the perfect car, whatever it might be. And so we, especially with jobs, we say, well, I don't want that job. I don't want to work there because that's not what I think I should do. It doesn't have the status that I want. Again, the world doesn't work that way. You start low and you build by being faithful, by being a good worker, you build your reputation until you get to that better place, that better job. And I'll tell you, there is not much more sad and discouraging than a worker who is a self-professed Christian, who is a lazy worker, who doesn't do their job. Because not only are they hurting the company or hurting uh, their co-workers by not doing the work, but they're hurting their witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ by demonstrating that they don't care about the others. They don't care about themselves. They don't live by the standards that the world has, which are standards that come from God, that when you work, you bless others and you achieve for yourself. Verse, 13, or verse 4 of chapter 13 says, the sluggard craves but gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. The next section, Proverbs 27, know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown does not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in, and the lambs will provide the lambs will provide you with clothing, and the goats with the price of a field. In other words, pay attention. We tend to think that the opposite of sloth or laziness is hard work, is lots of motion, is doing. But I think, biblically, the opposite of sloth is paying attention, is knowing what's important and then following through with what is important. Knowing that you want a good marriage, so working on that marriage, knowing that you want to raise your children well, so working on raising your children well, knowing that you want a good job, so working well to earn that good job, knowing that you want a retirement account, so working hard to uh, create that account and not um, thinking that you have your own unique wisdom that will say, well, I can spend it all now and still have it later. That unique wisdom is not wisdom at all because it does not work. The opposite of sloth is not diligence, but purposefulness. Don't live by accident. Don't just let things happen, but know what works and then do it. Now, there is another element here, and I think there are, according to the research I did for this sermon, slothful people 
who work very hard. Not like a door on its hinges moving from one side of the bed to the other, but like a revolving door going around and around and around and around and around and around and being very busy, but still being slothful regarding the things that are most important. You can be very busy doing things that don't ultimately matter. You can be very busy, but not intentional about what you should care about. You can work really hard, but ignore your family and your marriage. You can work really hard and do lots of things and be always active, but ignoring the most important thing that you have, and that is your relationship with God. So don't be slothful. Be purposeful. Live your life on purpose. Know what is important and pursue what is important. Work on your relationship with God. Strengthen it. Grow it. Know that the people you see around you are people that will stand either at the judgment where they are told, go away from me, or will stand at the judgment where they are welcomed into glory. And that judgment will depend, the judgment they uh, endure will depend upon their decision for or against Jesus Christ. You can help them to know about that decision. Pray and think about who you might invite to the Alpha Course, who might need to know um, or just be more confident in their walk with Jesus Christ. This has eternal significance. Most of what we spend our busyness on will last not very long at all. So consider what is important and then live your life on purpose, not being lazy, but making the most of every opportunity for God is working in you and God desires to use you for his glory and God desires to work in you to bless you so that you may bless others.